Hello, everyone. Welcome to Miles Covered, a podcast about road construction for road construction people. My name is Royal Marty, and I'll be your host. In this episode, I'm joined by Brad Olson, who is a professional engineer for Nineo and More. Specifically, Brad works in the Southern Nevada office, so here in Las Vegas, which is where we're based out of. In this podcast, we talk a lot about Brad's history, where Brad came from, what Brad does on a day-to-day basis, and then also what Brad thinks says the, is to be the future of the road construction industry. One of my favorite parts of the conversation is we talk about Brad's favorite project, and most recently, that project has been Project Neon. So for those of you that are that don't know, Project Neon is a project based here in Southern Nevada where they redid the intersection between two of the major highways here. And that was to make traffic flow much more efficient, reduce traffic and uh, make things much safer. It was a it was a very long, very long project and uh, quite the undertaking. But uh, from all perspectives it seems like it's been a very successful project so far so without further ado let's jump into the podcast thanks for joining us brad um well thanks for inviting me yeah absolutely as a as a way of getting started uh won't you tell us a little bit about about who you are well i uh Grew up in Utah, and I went to BYU and graduated in civil engineering uh, with a master's degree. And uh, you went to BYU for both. You you got your degree from from BYU for both. Yes, bachelor's and master's. I grew up in that area. Yeah. And uh, actually, grew up. Uh, my dad was an iron worker. Then he owned a company that he erected bridges, and so I worked for him and. I originally wasn't going to be an engineer. I didn't even think about that. And, uh, but uh, when I decided to go to college, he told me not to go get some degree where I can't make any money. <laughs> said, hey, you do well in school. So why don't you try engineering? So I enrolled in some classes and thought I'd be a structural engineer. Yeah. But, uh, I, I liked the classes. I, I just, structural engineering didn't really appease me. I liked, what I do now, the geotechnical and also the transportation. And my master's was in transportation engineering and uh, geotechnical engineering, or okay. civil engineering, but yep. uh, emphasis in geotechnical. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So, what were you going to go to school for before you before you decided to, for engineering? Um, I was just going to school trying to figure out what I was going to oh, do. Okay. My dad suggested uh, that. And so that's, so I don't really consider myself like a true engineer because uh, <laughs> I, I thought I was going to be a, I wanted to be a, a pro basketball player growing up. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but then I was too short and too slow to be able to do that. So, but you're still a pretty tall uh, guy, right? I mean, I, I think you're, you're yeah, six foot, I, but right? not for the NBA or anything like that. <laughs> 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 so does that make you a utah jazz fan i am a utah jazz fan yes yeah, yeah i do I, I i'm a big basketball fan myself and i love to watch the jazz so <laughs> yeah I, um i learned to like them when they first 
went to Utah when they were really, really bad. Oh, yeah. Watched a few games here and there. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, when they had Carl Malone and John Stockton. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, so after you graduated from BYU, how'd you make your way to, to Vegas? Well, that's, uh, yeah, as I graduated, I uh, interviewed uh, down here in Las Vegas. Uh, my wife at the time said, hey, I don't want to be in the cold anymore, so we got to <laughs> move to Phoenix or Las Vegas where it's warm. Yeah. And so <laughs> I snooped around and got an interview here in Las Vegas. And uh, anyway, I interviewed with a, a different firm back then and uh, they flew me down and I interviewed and they offered me a job. So I accepted and moved down here in 1990. Wow. So been here 30 years. I worked at that firm for six and a half. And then now with Nino and more uh, for almost 24. Okay, nice. So how, how long had Nino and more been in Vegas when you started? Well, actually, I joined them when they first came to Las Vegas in 1996. They had been open about two months. And so I joined them as person number three. And uh, I was the local experience. And so anyway, we took off from there and um, jumped up to like 30 people fairly quickly. Wow. And we've been uh, pretty successful. We... You know, we submitted on some different SOQs here and there in the beginning and would be ranked. At one time with the water district, we were ranked number eight because we were so new. Yeah. And it was either our second or third year that uh, all the SOQs and rankings, we ranked number one across the board. Oh, wow. And uh, that was kind of like when we came into our own and was established. And it was really cool when that yeah. happened. Yeah, that's great. In, in just a short amount of time. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. So how many people currently work at the Nino and Moore office here in Vegas? Uh, just under 40. It's like 37 or 38. Okay. And so, and you guys, you guys do basically everything. So you do obviously engineering and then testing and, and all of that type of stuff as well, right? Yeah. So geotechnical engineering, uh, we do hydrological studies and uh, materials testing and inspection. And then we also have an environmental division that does phase one environmental studies and phase two. Okay. Nice. And what's your like a uh, kind of like radius of, uh, of operation? Like how, how far out of the Las Vegas or the Southern Nevada area do you go? Um, well, a lot of our work is right here in the Las Vegas Valley, but you know, we go all the way to Mesquite, Laughlin. Uh, we've got did some projects in Tonopah, Beatty, Ely. Uh, and we even do some stuff in the northern area. We did a project up by uh, Jackpot, Nevada, called Mary's River okay. uh, in the northeast. And then we also did a visitor center uh, – uh, Black Rock, which is uh, right there where the Burning Man is held. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you do you do quite a bit. And then, how do you do you know how many Nino and more offices throughout the throughout the U.S. there are? Well, we're in the Southwest, and I think we're at seventeen offices. Wow. 
So it's, yeah, so that's quite a bit. And then do you, do you, do the other offices like work with you guys and, and do you guys like work on projects together or usually not? Uh, we work on projects together a little bit, like we'll share people, but we are very um, connected. And that was one of the reasons I joined Daniel more is because uh, we're, you know, everything's done the same. Like all of our reports that are produced, it doesn't matter if it comes from our Phoenix office or San Diego office, it looks the same. Oh, really? So. Yeah, so we can, like if our work processor is sick or something, we can just send it down to San Diego and they'll, they'll put it out to other word processors. They'll word process it, uh, you know, letter report and put it out and it'll look like it came from here. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Oh, that's and so th- that, that uniformity is really appealing. Uh, the firm I worked for before, uh, everybody was kind of different, had different styles of reports and, uh, we really didn't get to know the other people, but this one we know who people are, and um, we actually have had meetings where we, we brought in all the, the leadership from all the offices, and we've like had a, a meeting over the weekend together, and so yeah. it, it's, it's really nice that way. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, that is interesting. And it's interesting that like, it probably helps like uh, clients and stuff too, that are in different regions, right. That, that all, if they're doing something in, in, in from one office and then move to another, that they're always the same and it's always getting, it's always looking the same and they can expect the same stuff. Yeah. In fact, uh, we just got contacted uh, by these guys out of Colorado who had worked with our Cal- uh, Denver office and also our Phoenix office, and um, they wanted us to team with them on a design-build project here locally. Uh, they ultimately decided not to go after the project after they found out some things, but they they had full confidence in our office just knowing the other offices. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So going back to... <clears throat> how you got into engineering and, and everything like that. What, what do you think are some of your unique skills and, and things that you've picked up over, over time that have made you um, successful throughout the, throughout your career? Well, I think the, for me, and successful has come from being honest and, um, and, and and serving clients, uh, like if a client calls up and says, hey, I've got this project here and it's an addition. Uh, somebody else did the sales, original sales report. Well, I'll tell them to just go ahead and contact the other firm because it'll be cheaper for them to get an update than to do a, you know, a full-blown report that we would do. And just help them out that way and being very responsive. And also... Uh, what's what I call understanding the game. And that is that knowing what the game is for each jurisdiction, what they require. Um, Also knowing that some jurisdictions are a little bit stingy on paying uh, (laughs) fees. Yeah. So you just got to know that, you know, one project in one jurisdiction may be cheaper than in, in another. And so sometimes you have to cut back just knowing you know what's going on it's just like i said it's knowing the game yeah 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and I mean, being in, in the Las Vegas area for so long, you've, you've probably seen the Valley change quite a bit, right? Or the Las Vegas <laughs> Valley. <laughs> yes, a lot. Um, there are places where I remember that we almost needed a four wheel drive to get to just to do our soil borings. And now it's just uh, all residential, you know, all the way filled in and with streets and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for people that haven't seen it, it is crazy to, to see like how fast the Valley has grown and, and stuff like that over the, over the last 10 to 20 years. <clears throat> um, and then also to see how the different recessions and stuff like that have, have affected, um, have affected the Valley and how the Valley has kind of grown through that. How do you, how do you think that the, the city and stuff has rebounded from the 2008 and, and like, and what what have you seen the different changes that that people have made? Um, well, it's the big change that happened here was the 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 fuel indexing uh, that was is now being done to get money for the transportation projects. So a lot of the work that's going to be going forward is going to be you know roadway projects. And uh, before that, there wasn't a lot of money to be had. So that's helped a lot. Um, it's put a, a boost in the economy as far as the engineering and construction. But uh, and as we grow, you know, the school district has now started building schools again. There was a time where we didn't have any schools going on. Right. Uh, so now we've got new ones. Uh, there's some new ones up, you know, planned out in Sandy Valley. Um, and then they're doing some replacement schools here in the valley where they build the new school out in the playground area so they can tear down the the old one after they build the new one and then convert that to the playground. Really? <laughs> it's funny to see, like, you know, to hear that and, and to see it and stuff too. And then you go to obviously different parts of the country or even different parts of the world and, you know, their buildings are hundred, you know, a hundred years old. And to us in here in Las Vegas, if it's 20, it's ancient and get it out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are some of the, some of the, like your favorite projects that you've worked on over, over your years? Well, um, the most recent one would be uh, project neon. Uh, you know, the big I-15, 95 Beltway Spaghetti Bowl project. Right. You know, stuff that's just finished up. Um, a lot of flood control projects I've done, I'm pretty proud of, uh, detention basins. And when you're leaving town going towards Mesquite, if you look up over to the west, there's this uh, five-mile-long dike uh, that's out there that uh, collects floodwater runoff and diverts it down to a channel that goes to a detention basin. Well, that project was my project. I actually hiked that entire alignment. Oh, really? I go, yeah. And so, so I always look at that thing when I'm leaving town, just uh, remembering that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And so real quick, back to Project Neon. So what did you guys, or what did you do with Project Neon? Well, we... Uh, we were the lead geotechnical firm. There was two firms, and we were the lead. 
uh, working together because it was such a big project. Uh, so we did uh, all the geotechnical design for all the bridges, flood control improvements, uh, roadways, walls, you know, MSC, mechanically stabilized earth walls, MSC walls, yeah. retaining walls, everything. And uh, the, the project was broken up into packages. And so for each package, we had to do four separate reports. One was the preliminary report, and then there was like a second one. And then uh, I can't remember what we called them, but then there was a final report and then the final, final report. <laughs> and uh, there, there would always be comments from NDOT or the contractor that we'd have to address as we went forward with the, the reports. And um, they uh, had to be reviewed. And I, I served as the ultimate final, final review. So I had to make sure everything was right. Um, and uh, had, had it all had to be documented. And there was a few months there where, you know, I, I was reviewing the reports from our office and also from the other geotech firm's office. Yeah. And uh, so in 2016, from like end of June to end of July, uh, August, I was, uh, I'd go to work and then I'd leave the office about five or six, come home, eat dinner, and then go to my table and review stuff until like midnight or one in the morning every night. And just reading reports. Reading reports and uh, doing, we had to highlight everything, document everything. And then they had to be up, uploaded, you know, to the a website at a certain time. And so there were times where I was under the gun because they, they would give me a report that was kind of like late and I had to get it, make sure they got reviewed and uploaded. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty tough, but it, yeah. it was fun. And it's really, uh, you know, once the project's done, it's, you look back on it and you're, you're, you're proud of what you did. Absolutely. I mean, it was a, it's a big project here in, here in Vegas. And so, cause that connects, like you said, the two major highways together that have caused many issues for traffic and stuff like that. What, so when did you start working? When did you guys start working on the project? Uh, I think we started drilling the first borings at the end of 2015. Wow. Yeah. Like uh, November, December of 2015. So almost a solid five years then because the project just finished, right? And you guys were still, yeah. yeah. So we had to get all the preliminary geotechnical done. So they, so we get the packages done and then they could start construction. So uh, as each package was done and then approved by NDOT, then they could do start the construction for that package, whatever it was. Sometimes it was certain bridges or you know, flood control stuff, um, just different things. And then we also like uh, did vibration monitoring during the construction to uh, check what was going on with the existing buildings that were going to be left in place because they were constructing or excavating, you know, near existing buildings. So we'd, we would do that. That's a valid point. Right. And, and there are also some large bridges too that yeah. we had to monitor too, right? In that area. 
Yeah, and then uh, we also would review the uh, the quality control testing firms' work, uh, particularly with the uh, drilled shaft excavations and uh, the drilled shaft foundations themselves. Those were tested and evaluated, and we would look at those and approve those. And there were other things that happened during construction that we would also review and approve. Because sometimes there would be you know, a request for information and say, hey, what about this? What about that? Can we use this material instead? So we'd review those. So we were, you know, we weren't, once we were done with just the geotech design, we still worked uh, for another year and a half on doing uh, this construction related stuff. Right. And just like different, different reviews and everything. So then how many people worked on that full time out of your office? (laughs) Well, we actually had one guy that was in the offices right there on Charleston and I-15. Yeah. Uh, So we lost him for almost a year and a half. (laughs) Uh, So he, he couldn't work on any other projects. So he was there. And then we had at least four people full-time in our office. And I think there were four people in the other firm's office as well that was full-time. Wow. Wow. Plus, plus they were they were supplying the drill rigs as well. Yeah. It's so that yeah, that adds up. And and then so then did you guys have to offset that and hire more people at that time too? Or uh we tried. That was also a time where you know for the past five years it's been hard to find anybody. Yeah. This is the downturn that we had in you know two thousand eight. There are a lot of people that moved away. And like all graduate students, graduated and moved away. Yep. And so there just weren't people to hire. And it's still, we still have that problem right now. Yes. Yeah. Find some mid-level type person with like about 10 years experience. They're just not around here. So you have a lot of young engineers and also, you know, a lot of older ones, but nobody in the middle. Right. So how do you guys... How do you guys combat that now? Do you guys just hire a bunch of young and, and kind of or and wait them out or 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 do you try to use Yeah, that yeah, we've been hiring the young ones and training them. Uh there's growing pains with that, of Absolutely. course. Um but you know, they they are being trained to you know, think like we think and uh you know, do the, the, the things that we do the way we do them. Uh, when you hire people that you know are that mid level from somewhere else, they kind of have some different habits, right? That you got to kind of break to match what you like to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. So then, do you think like going forward that the universities and stuff have a decent flow of 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 engineers coming through? That so there shouldn't be like a a spike or a lull or anything. Or, or what's your take on that? Uh, Could you repeat that question again? Yeah. So, like, do you think that going forward, a a few years from now, that um, that the stream of engineers coming coming out of universities will be will be steady, or do you think that there will still be issues down the road? Uh, Well, I think there's going to be issues because I don't know if there's a lot of uh, people or young kids going into engineering. Yeah. Uh, We would hope that they would have more. But uh, I, I think they're looking at other ways of uh, earning money. 
Uh, in fact, some of them even now that that joined engineering firms like our clients and even what we do, a lot of them really aren't sold on being engineers, so to speak. They're more um, just doing it to make money. Interesting. To be able to do other things. That's just kind of the, the generational thing. Yeah. So just get, getting them to be fully committed to be an engineer. Yeah, exactly. Is, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it takes a while. And so it's just different. And we just have to learn to adjust to that and, you know, make it appealing. Right. So they'll stay. Yeah. 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 It is interesting to see that, to see that tide shift and stuff like that. And, you know, um, I, I come from a, from a different background and more of of mechanical engineering and, and, but I witnessed the same thing that there was not, that there's not as many engineers coming through and all of that type of stuff too. So. Yeah. We've actually had like in our American public works association conferences, they've, they've invited people in to come and speak to us about, you know, dealing and helping the generation uh, X, the millennials and all that. Right. Just ideas to make it more appealing and, and for people to understand where they're coming from and, and vice versa, because, you know, now we have in those meetings, those conference meetings that uh, the young ones too, and they, they can kind of see where we're coming from as well. So exactly. that way there's a, there's a mutual benefit there. Right. Yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to see how it goes as, as time goes on and stuff like that. Cause uh, you know, obviously something's got to get kind of worked out and, and, and it seems like it now, you know, it will take its course and, and it will, but it'll be interesting to see what the flow is like. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so what are you like, what, what do you think are some of the biggest changes that you've seen throughout the industry in your, in your career? Like, whether it be like changes to you know, construction method or, or regulatory things or something like that? Well, uh, as far as regulatory, there have been some changes over the years, uh, especially with like Clark County. They've uh, re- require more things to be done. Like now we do... It used to be on occasion. Now it's like on every project that's uh, anything that goes through the building department where we have to review the the, the plans mm-hmm. so that they match our soils report um, before they're submitted to bid or before they're even allowed to start construction just to try and make sure that there's not any errors and there's no conflict. Uh, sometimes we'll review a plan and they'll have the wrong report reference that may be, a, you know, a competitor's name on the, on the plans so it should be our name. Yeah. So we can get that fixed. Uh, sometimes there's things in there that we'll find that say, Hey, you know, you need to change this because it doesn't match our recommendations and it makes it. So I think the project goes smoother once it does go to construction and you know they just want to make sure there's a a better product that's constructed right right and then as far as um construction methods you know there's there's just not a lot that's done around here that's different really because uh, 
we don't have a lot of uh, new things to do. We, I mean, we have been getting by with uh, the cities have now started going with some emulsified base material, mm-hmm. and and you know, like with what you guys do, it'd be nice if we could get those guys to buy off on on that kind of stuff too. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, because I think there are some applications. Uh, you know, we we work on solar projects, and I think they would, you know, the kind they like to have dirt roads still left out there instead of paving them. And I think putting like your material in would be a, a beneficial thing to you know for dust control and all that. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah, it does but, seem uh, like yeah, it does seem like there's some you know some different products and stuff coming out right obviously like for you know as as ours is different and, and unique on the sub base but then there's there's even some different things that are coming out for asphalt and, and stuff like that of, of ways to kind of incorporate different materials or recycled materials in and and it'll be interesting to see how how that takes its course over the several over these next several years too yeah I think that's it for for now brad I, I appreciate you coming on and if you if you have anything else to add um you know go for it but but i i think it's i think it's been it's been good to hear kind of your insight and and see how uh you know the inside of of from working on large projects in the, in a major city all the way to you know seeing this city come from uh, you know, a very small city in the nineties all the way to where we are now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. You know, we've got a mural in our office of the, you know, an air photo, a large one that showed what the valley looked like in 1996. Yeah. When we first started this office and, uh, you look at that and then you can compare to what it looks like now. And, it's just crazy how much has been built. Well, it used to be once you hit the Santa Fe Casino, yep. then you would drive a long time before you hit the Kyle Canyon exit on US 95. Yes. Now, once you clear the houses, you only drive just a few minutes, and all of a sudden you're at Kyle Canyon. Yes. Yeah, so the city has grown so far out there that it's that's, crazy. That's exactly what I tell everybody. So I grew up, uh, I grew up in Las Vegas, but not and not far from the Santa Fe. And then I remember thinking, like the Santa Fe is in the middle of nowhere, and now I live twenty minutes past the Santa Fe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm living in that exact area that you just referenced. Of you know, we're we're the last exit before Kyle Canyon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, when I drive out there, I'm just always amazed. Right. And like, you think like, Oh, the, they can't go any, like we can't build any further and we just keep building. So. Yeah. Well, like, um, you know, there's a park that's on the corner of Rampart and Vegas. Yeah. Drive. Well, I drilled that back in 1990 the only thing that was out there was the Angel Park Golf Course. <laughs> yep. It was relatively new. But it was to drill that park, it was all we could do to get our drill rig there. There was nothing out there. <laughs> we had to, like, there was a dirt road that went 
up and down through the ravines, you know, those washes. Right. And I didn't think our drill rig would make it. We, we got there and we drilled it. Uh, basically, it was just pure caliche. I mean, even the surface, I was joking that we should just mill it off and turn the place into a tennis court. <laughs> a bunch of tennis courts. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, there was a few like pieces of brush that had sand around them that had, I think that had just collected sand from the wind blowing and yeah. then just deposited around there. That was the only soil on the site. Seriously. Yeah. And so um, anyway, it was like within less than a year, I was out there again and it was, it exploded with, yeah. with the homes and everything. I, it just blew me away. Cause I mean, it was just nothing but desert before that. Right. And now it's like, now that area is the heart of the Valley, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, All Brad. Right. I appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. I enjoyed it.